Welcome into 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gell here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast today. Bonus listener mailbag. We continue to grind through these questions. We're going to get through March 24th on the podcast today, March 24th of our Apple Podcast Reviews. If you want your question answered, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and we will get to your question eventually, including international. If you're international and you don't show up on American Apple Podcasts, we will get there eventually. On the bonus listener mailbag today, let's get it. A lot of stories to start the podcast with today, Mike. I I'm, I'm dry, you know. Haven't had anything to go here. I, I, we were just talking about yeah, how Gallup Park, Gallup Park is potentially closing. Oh yeah, the famed Cincinnati bar here, where nothing goes right. Yeah, that's where I did a shot with Pac-Man Jones. So that's also where your ex worked. Okay. And she was a social worker there. Right? Longtime listeners of the pod will know Gallup Park. I feel like you guys have referenced <laughs> yeah. Gala quite a bit. It's definitely it's like Cincinnati's only like legit club and. It, it it attracts the wrong people. I'm going to say it attracts the wrong people. The people there are all there for the wrong reasons, to quote the Bachelorette a thousand times. I think people go there for the wrong reasons. I'm just going to say it. You're, oh, you're not wrong. I, I don't enjoy being there. Well, I mean, I enjoy being there. I don't enjoy going there. But then when I'm there, I, I have fun. I thought your ex had a lot of talent. Uh, working there. Why do we? What are we doing? Bringing her up? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just felt like she could have moved her way up there. Definitely. Oh yeah, she was definitely a hard worker. A hard worker had all the right tools, all the right traits. As a bottle service girl, honestly, checked every box. She had a master's degree though. That's I bet. A joke. I she, bet. She did. I'd like to see that diploma. Anyway, let's jump into this. Uh, let's jump into this uh, bonus listener mail back here. Remember, if you want your question answered on the podcast, YouTube. Um, go. Why did I mention YouTube? Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and with your question in that review, and you're going to be good to go. You're going to get your mailbag question answered. We will do 10 hours of live content on YouTube if we have to to get through these questions. We will do it. We will do it. All right. Going to... Hopefully, we don't have to. Hopefully, we don't have to. No. First question's so from... If your question sucks, don't come with the bad questions. all I got to say right there. That's fair. That's fair. Off Vet your questions. Don't be a Vet piece of questions. shit. Vet your questions. All right. This is from Schoolboy Poo. I like that name. Uh, Penn State linebacker. Penn State is linebacker. You go through each position and list which college produced the most talent at each position. Go as in depth as you like. Something like I O L U. So, Pooh. By the way, do you know that was Derek Rose's nickname in high school? Not Poo? a lot of people know that. Yeah, Pooh. With an H or no H? That matters. With an H. Okay. But just like being nicknamed Pooh sounds like a pretty rough nickname. Didn't I don't know if you're with him if you're NBA. sick, you can own it, man. And Derek Rose. I mean, it sucks that the injuries have kind of derailed his NBA career. Not derailed it, but I mean, he's yeah. never going to be, you yeah. know, what he was going to be. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to sorry, a little the, basketball tangent. I went to the. He was like he was a year ahead of me in Illinois basketball, high school basketball. Watching him play was insane. I was like, this guy does not play the same sport that I'm playing. <laughs> but all right, QB. I got I got a U for every position Love group it. here. QBU right now, and this is more recent U's. I like recent U's. I'm not going to go deep into the annals. Last eight to ten years. The U for each one of those. Quarterback U, it's hard to go against Oklahoma right now. You got Baker, Kyler, Jalen Hurts. You got three starters in the NFL. You got a tenth of the starters in the NFL. You have, obviously, Sam Bradford was semi-recent, number one overall pick. 
I think it's got to be Oklahoma. Really? Yes, that's what I just said. Oklahoma. Who do you have as the U? So the the problem I have, I think quarterbacks is the most interesting one because I don't think there is really a U. I guess you have to go quarter. You have to go Oklahoma at this point, but and they're going to have Spencer Rattler next year. So running backs. This one's hard to go against Alabama. You got Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, now Najee Harris, Damian Harris, Kenyon Drake, TJ Yeldon still kicking, Mark Ingram still kicking. It's a lot of fucking running back talent coming yeah. from one. Alabama is going to be running back you probably for the rest of our lives. I mean, they recruit yeah. so much talent at running back. I do you have you don't have them as linebacker though. They've they've also recruited a ton of talent at linebacker. No, we'll agree. get to linebacker. Okay. It's gonna okay. be an interesting one. I got a little off the wall. Who's one the for worst you. Alabama running back to come out and be drafted? Obviously don't who do you think the worst Alabama running back to come out and get drafted? TJ Yeldon, like probably had the flamiest career, flamed out ish, bustiest. I don't Most like either Adams of those adjectives. Careers. Um, flamiest and bustiest, I still hate. Top of the second round, it's never really did anything for the Jaguars. They tried to replace him like immediately then with Leonard Fournette. So that that's probably the one. Uh, Got to give a shout out though to Memphis, who's been k- killing the game of late. Antonio Gibson. Uh, Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, and Kenny, Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell. So they're they're putting themselves firmly in the mix in that one. Wide receiver, you. This one was tough. A lot of good wide receiver use. I settled. Honestly, I settled on LSU just because Alabama had too many U's already. Like Alabama has too many positions they're too damn good at. But Fair. LSU, you got Odell, you got Jarvis Landry, DJ Chark, Justin Jefferson. Now you're about to have Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall. It's a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. Obviously, Alabama has like Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy. You're about to have Devontae Smith, about to have uh, Jalen Waddle as well. So, I mean, they talk that talk too. I think they, you know, one thing that in addition to like, there's a ton of obviously tradition and pride for the school that you go to, regardless, you know, where you go. But when you talk to some of these players like, um, Terrace Marshall, they talk about how we're wide receiver you, and we have to keep that legacy, and we have to continue to be the best wide receiver school in the country. Like they hold a lot of pride in being the best, being the best wide receiver school in the country, which I find interesting. Also, Ohio State very similar with defensive backs. Yes. So tight end now, I think it's got to be Iowa. As much as it pains me to say, as Notre Dame is a is a famed tight end U in their own right. The U, Miami, yes. famed tight end U, but they've fallen off in recent years. Absolutely. Yeah. Since Jimmy Graham, they got Chris Herndon in the league. Like the 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 guys in Joku, they've kind of they've been bustiest. Uh, flamiest, at, at flamiest, least. at least. Um, Who was the the Miami Florida tight end that the Raiders drafted? I think that's where it really started to fall off. Uh, what was his name? Do you remember who it was? It was the guy that everyone loved coming out of Miami. I'll look up the name, but they, I agree that they had they had Greg Olson, Greg Olson, they had you Jimmy had Graham, Franks, you had Jimmy Graham. They had that stretch there for about a decade. There was one. They also had back. running back, No. Sean Marino. Uh, they, they had a lot. Jeremy of, Shockey too. Oh, Jeremy Shockey as well. Like they had, but Miami was churning out talent in like yeah. the '90s, but then Early kind of have fallen off now. Uh, but Iowa, you got T.J. Hawkinson, Noah Fant, George Kittle. That's a pretty tough trifecta to beat there with three of the probably top 12, 15 tight ends in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Uh, like I said, Notre Dame has some talent to position Eifert. Kyle Rudolph about to be Tommy Tremble, but sadly Iowa takes the cake here. But offensive gonna, line, you oh, wait one ahead. second. It was Gerald Everett, or no, not Gerald Everett, Clive yeah. Wolford. Clive, Clive Wolford okay, was the, yeah. the Miami Florida. He tenor. just didn't pan out. Um, offensive line, you though. Here we go. Notre Dame. It's got to be. It has to be. Has to be. You got uh, just in blue chip talent. Others have produced more breadth of talent, but you got Ronnie Stanley, Quentin Nelson, 
Zach Martin, all in the mix for the top players of their respective positions. I would get, I would, I don't even think it's a hot take to say that Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin are the best guards in the NFL. One, two. And then you have Mike McGlinchey, Nick Martin, some other guys, Alex Bars. I mean, you could Sam build Oscar. a legit all pro offensive line with, with Notre Dame. Yes. yes. That's exactly that's wild. so Notre Dame offensive line, you shout outs to Iowa, Alabama, both produced a butt ton of talent. Not quite like Notre Dame, though. A so, butt ton. Butt ton. Def- defensive interior, defensive tackles. This one's got to be Alabama. They they just they churn. It's another position where just every year they got another guy. This year they're going to have the top guy in the class, Christian Barmore. You got Quentin Williams, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Dalvin Tomlinson, Sean Hand, Ashawn Robinson. Like man, they just that's why they're Alabama. Running backs and defense tackles. That's why Alabama's Alabama. Jim Nagy also tweeted yesterday the who directs the Senior Bowl. He said the NFL is a lot higher on Christian Barmore than the media is, and I was ready to say, hey, wait a second. PFF's been on Barmore's the Barmore hype train since day one, so Tough I'm excited. Player in the class, I, I definitely think that you know we had conversations about where Christian Barmore is going to go in the 2021 NFL draft, and we, yeah. we said Cleveland at the back end. I I, I thought Tampa Bay might make sense. I thought at Minnesota before they they signed a guy, Dalvin Thompson. But I, I mean, whoever gets him in that set, you know, 17 to 32 range, I, I do think Tennessee. they're getting a really good player. Tennessee is another great one as well. With Jeffrey Simmons, ooh, yeah. buddy, gotta give a shout out to Mississippi State. We talked about in the last pod. DTU. They got three blue chip guys, but no one really else. Edge defender, hard to go against. Ohio State. Yeah. The Bosas, Chase Young, and then add in Sam Hubbard, Taekwon Lewis. That's, you got the blue chippers there. That, those are three of the top six mm-hmm. edge defenders, I'd say, in the NFL. Zach That's Harrison tough, coming up too. Zach Harrison coming up too. So they're tough to beat. Linebacker U. Now, this one's an interesting one. The question posed. Penn State, but Penn State hadn't produced a ton of linebacker talent in recent years, sadly. Nate Stupar? Who the hell has even been good at Penn State? I mean, well, it's going to be Mike Parsons. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've, it's been a little bit of a drought. Low-key, the team that's produced the most quality-ish starters in recent years, UCLA. You got Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Miles Jack, Jayon Brown. Four guys. That's quality starters. Dude, I, I was looking at, recently looking at... Um, when I start, when I first started covering the draft, I started my own website as a sophomore in college, and it was called thedraftpulse.com. And I was reading some of it because I was like feeling nostalgic, whatever. I was so high on Eric Hendricks, and he's really panned out. I'm just saying, it'll tip my cap here. Eric Hendricks was awesome at UCLA. Yeah, he was really, really sick. He, I, I mean, didn't he and Barr come out in the same class or no? They were close. No. Barr was before. Gotcha. Barr was like 2014. Kendricks was 2015 or 16. 16. I, I liked Eric Hendricks more than I liked Anthony Barr coming out, and Kendricks has been awesome in the NFL. Kendricks has uh cornerback you so shout out to LSU for linebackers also they've produced Quan Alexander Patrick Queen Deion Jones they've had a ton of guys come out in recent years cornerback you it's gotta be Ohio State before before we jump to cornerback you it used to linebacker you used to be Bama like you you had uh, Raekwon not um you had CJ Mosley who was the Ra- Mosley you the had Rolando Ra- um, McLean like they were McClain. getting a, a yeah. Ruben Foster they were getting a lot of linebackers drafted high but they just all have uh, been the flamiest yeah they've been bustiest uh the other one who's kicked around to like the Bills to the Chiefs to the oh yeah Reggie Ragland Reggie Ragland was another go. guy that people loved and he just has not been the guy and now you got Dylan Moses who former five-star all the stuff but probably isn't gonna get drafted too Can high. Alabama not develop linebackers Here's the take. I can't believe you guys are going to disrespect Paul Puzlesny like that. Paul Puzlesny. Deep cut. Penn State. uh, Yeah, Penn State. 
I love his the brother swans. was the same year as me at Notre Dame linebacker. Was he? Yeah. I didn't know he had a brother. He never played. Um, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Safety. Safety is the one where there's like no safety. That's why I think they call it all DBU. It's mm-hmm. like you include the safety into that. If you included DBs, it would probably still be Ohio State. Safety, there's really none. Yeah. I mean, Boston I would throw College. Ohio State. Maybe Ohio State. I mean, they, they produce some decent safety talent. Yeah, let's say Von Bell, um, Malik Hooker. They've had some safety. That's why they're DBU. If you had to just separate safeties out from corners, BC, low-key has Boston College, but I can't say a nice thing about Boston College. But John Johnson, Justin Simmons, Will Harris in recent years, three starters. I also think the recruiting, so going back to Ohio State, you had them listed as cornerback you, Jeffrey Kuda, Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore, Roby, Arnett. I mean, Garyon Conley. They've, they've really Eli pushed. Apple, top 10 pick. They have pushed Ohio, you know, cornerbacks into the draft. The and I do think that recruiters – when you have this DBU or LBU, offensive tackle U, you lean into that and say, hey, dude, we've produced a ton of first-round talent at this position, and we want you. I think it's hard to, like, it's hard to lose it. Like, how does Ohio State lose DBU? How does LSU lose wide receiver U? Like, it's, 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 it comes down to, like, not developing talent, right? I mean, if you don't develop these talents, it's yeah. going to be tough. Ohio State's also lose, making a play I mean, receiver. you lose, the, like, the positional coach that develops these guys. Very, well, we, uh, I think Ohio State's making a play for wide receiver U. We got Brian Hartline over there, there. Yeah. and they're making plays, dude. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, they just recruited, what, the number one wide receiver in the country. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he was another five-star. Like, they're making some waves there at Ohio State. Be careful. Look out for the Buckeyes and wide receiver, you. All right, what a question by Schoolboy Poo. Let's go to now Dog Boy. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Love the pod. What's your opinion on this trade? Patriots, Jimmy G, they, they get Jimmy G a first and a second. <laughs> and the 49ers get Stephon Gilmore. That's awful. <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. I mean, also the 49ers don't have any more first round picks left, but they wouldn't do that even if they did. I don't get that trade. That's that's tough, man. That's I mean, tough I mean, I'm trying to be nice about it, Doc Boy. Um, <laughs> but Jimmy G, a first and a second for Stefan, like, how good do you think Stefan Gilmore is? I mean, I, I think Stefan Gilmore's great. You, there's arguments to be had that he's the best cornerback in the NFL. He's still not worse, even just a first and a second, in my opinion, at his age and at his contract. I, I would be surprised if he could fetch you a second right now, Stefan Gilmore, after the year he had last year. Which, again, I'm not. I hate to That's fucking beat a dead horse, but I'm gonna I'm gonna t- step my foot on the neck of this dead horse. You you just said I'd be surprised if Stefan Gilmore would fetch you a second. And then Sam Darnold just fetched a second, a fourth, and a sixth-round pick. That, again, shows you just how valuable these quarterbacks are, man. It's just crazy to think um, about just quarterback value in the NFL and how different it is on the market, whether that's the trade market or obviously the, sal- you know, the salary cap open franchise, you know, free agency market, how valuable these quarterbacks are. Maybe Gilmore's going to play quarterback. Everybody's talking, is it Mac Jones? Is it Justin Fields? Maybe you trade and have Gillilock under center. I don't hate it. It's athletic. I don't hate it either. Quinn's you know what the- I saw that was... I had not realized Kadarius Tony has a cannon. Yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> that I did not realize. He's he said claims he can throw at eighty yards. Is he QB one? He might have to be. I need Chris Sims to break down the tape. Same. All right, this is from Samari Roll Up Two Thousand. I like that name. I don't know why. With Drew Brees retiring, I watched the game where he, him, and Eli Manning were dueling it out at one point. Brees was twenty nine for 36 and Eli was 29 for 38 but Eli had a higher QBR how is that possible I love what the Bengals are doing in free this guy's question is all over the fucking map really is and I love what the Bengals are doing in free agency with the Woozy and Hilton I think they're going to go heavy on the offensive line and defensive line in the draft they hit on at least one what do you guys think so I don't what's your take on QBR Uh, I started so hot with Samari roll up and then this if he means PFF grade I really can't speak to how QBR is calculated but it's a lot to do with air yards and 
I don't know what else, but it factors in air yards heavily. Now, PFF grade PFF is more grade stable than QBR. purely based off of watching the tape and seeing how good the throws were and then giving it a grade. And it's more stable. It's more stable year over year than QBR, pass rating, and all those other metrics. Because, yeah, it's QBR is still dependent on like if the receiver catches the ball. Mm-hmm. If the receiver drops the ball, you're... QBR takes a hit. QBR takes a hit. If the receiver catches the ball or drops the ball, and the PFS system doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So that, that can explain... If you're asking, what's your take on Bengals going heavy offensive line and defensive line in the draft? They have to go, they have to go heavy offense, just like period. Yes, be criminal malpractice to spend as much money as they had the last two years on the defense side of the ball. Every single free agent, big money free agent, defense side of the ball, and then just be like, oh, you know what? Our defense still sucks. So, and the defense still still suck. So let's keep drafting defense. It's like at some point. Got to keep QB one happy. I mean, it comes back to that. You know, I've said this before. The million, the multi-million dollar question for any team with a quarterback on a rookie deal is: Is he good? And you can't find that out until you pull until until you pull the Brandon Bean method, or not not is he good? Is he worth that second contract? And you have to pull the Brandon Bean method. You have to dump every resource you've got into the offensive, you know, offensive side of the ball. Put Joe Burrow in a situation where you can properly evaluate him. There are no excuses. Wide receiver talent, offensive line talent, coaching staff, all that stuff has to be there. And then you can say, hey, Joe Burrow with an ideal, not ideal, but close to ideal situation did this for us. That's what the Browns saw with Baker Mayfield and Stefanski and the offense they put together. That's what the Bills saw and Josh Allen. That's what the Ravens saw with Lamar Jackson in his MVP year. You saw it. You saw, okay, when we put everything together right, this is what he can be. And I think that's what the Bengals need to do. The Giants are trying to do that. The Jets failed at doing that. But also, here's another take that I think Mike Quinn's going to love. You, When you draft defensive players, they're far more scheme-based or signed defensive players. They're far more, I, they fit into X scheme, and that's what they're trying to do is get the guys for Lou Anarumo's scheme. Oh, shit, Lou Anarumo might not be there that long. Whereas offensive linemen, if you draft an offensive lineman, it doesn't fucking matter what scheme he goes to 95% of the time. If that guy can pass protect, he could pass protect whether he's playing for the Los Angeles Rams, whether he's playing for Cincinnati Bengals, whether he's playing for the New England Patriots. So when you address those positions that are stable throughout coaching staffs, gives you a better chance of when a new coach staff comes in. That's a very good take as well. I like that. All right, this is from CS326. How much should teams value late-round picks like sixth and seventh rounders? Is there, is there a potential advantage in teams trading those late-round picks and signing more undrafted free agents? If you can get anything for six seventh rounders, do it. Those the picks are shit. Yeah, they're they're UDFAs. They have about the exact same value as whatever you can sign after the draft. I do think though, so I I like that answer. I will say, oftentimes when you are trading six and seventh round pl- picks for players, veterans, you're often taking on either good players on not ideal contracts or just yeah. kind of crappy players that are on rookie contracts. Or it's also like package those into other trades if people are willing to. Oh, true. Value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Like, like with the yeah, that makes sense. All right, do that sixth round swap for Sam Darnold. You do need that all day. the sixth round swap. If you aren't swapping in the sixth round, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point of even going into the draft? This is from mm, OG Fiji. <laughs> that's a that's a that was close. Okay, uh, which is going to happen first? Adam Gase being a good coach, or you guys being caught up on the mailbag questions? Well, that was rude. Adam Gase coached the highest scoring offense in NFL history. So I guess we're never we're never going to be as good as Adam Gase. Adam Gase also started the smelling salt trend. Yeah, so I don't. He, he fuels this ma- mailbag. We should get Adam Gase on the pod. Who says no? Who says no? So Adam far, Gase let's make no. a play. Let's make a play for Adam Gase on the pod. I would love to get him on the pod. That would be electric, absolutely yeah. electric. 
We're going to try and get him on the pod. All right, second question. If the Broncos give Drew Locke another chance and he doesn't work, which could you <laughs> – I love this. Which quarterback should the Broncos target in the draft next year? Any. All yeah. of them. I mean, Sam should, Howell, though. Sam Howell would be your Broncos-type quarterback. With I, I in was, air with that cannon, boom. Big plays. I was mulling this question over. Could I add it to the mailback here? Which which um, team of these four most needs to trade up for a quarterback in this class? Oh. Denver at 9, New England at 15, Washington at 19, or Chicago at 20? Which of those four teams is not, not in the best position to trade up? We know which team's in the best position to trade up. The one closest to fucking four. But which team is in the worst situation and most desperate to go trade up? Which team should be the most desperate to trade up? I think Washington. Close. Yeah. I think Washington's close. Denver. I don't know. Denver. It's either, it's either Washington or Denver, in my opinion. Like not New England. The Patriots can stick with Cam Newton. Like he can. I think you could be all right there, even past this year. And the Chicago Bears are just fucked. You're just fucked. Yeah, you're, that's you're like you're just. That's fucked. mean. They're just. <laughs> Andy's good. <laughs> Either way, it's hard to say. But uh, let's go to. So like that's that's the thing. What you just said. Worst quarterback's a good quarterback. Yeah, the worst quarterback is a good quarterback. Uh, Skins fan MG seven. With Washington signing Curtis Samuel, William Jackson, and Fitzpatrick, their top needs are left tackle, free safety, and linebacker, as well as a third receiver. In your mind, does signing Samuel change the type of receiver you target in the draft? The team might look for more of a Bateman or a Marshall rather than another slot weapon like Rondo Moore. The Moore brothers, they're not more, they're not brothers. Rondo Moore, Elijah Moore, or Tony? I think so. So Samuel was primarily, primarily slot last year. His best season. He was primarily outside in 2019. I think he could do both. Now, do you want a bunch of sub six foot wide receivers? Eh, maybe not. Like maybe not necessarily. You want you want some guys who can go up and get it if need be. But I I don't think like if you wanted like Kadarius Tony, I I, I think you could get a Kadarius Tony or Elijah Moore, and it's not a big deal. Like if that's the highest ranked guy on your board, I wouldn't go down my board to just get a guy who has fits the mold better. Fair enough. Second question from Skins fan MG7. Also, what are your opinions on biting the bullet this year to get Lance with Fitzpatrick as the clear bridge quarterback in place? Waiting until 2022 likely presents the same issues with draft position, and the team is getting closer and closer to being a playoff caliber roster. I think I just said it. They're the most desperate to move up. I would, if I was in their shoes, I would want that guy as soon as possible. Lance or Fields at four, man. Lance or Fields at four. Go get him. Okay, that's the thing. It depends on the price. Getting up to four is going to take a... If I have to pay what the 49ers paid, two more firsts, I don't want to do it. Because you have somewhat crash and burn potential. Like, you still only went seven and nine last year. You have a couple key injuries to that roster. Game. You could go five and 11. But like, they, they're a very good young roster. You have very good young talent. But you're also, like... Couple injuries and Fitzpatrick, you know, ages doesn't play like has the roller coaster Fitzpatrick experience. All of a sudden, you're not you're drafted fairly highly and you gave up that first round pick, and that's something you really don't want to do. So, depends on the price, but if the price is right, like one of those guys falls. Like if Justin Fields is legitimately falling to the 15, like people are saying, oh, we might fall to the Patriots. I can go up and make that move then. All right, sad Steelers fan Matt. Question. I know this is a long shot, but if Deshaun Watson sits all, out all of 2021, could the Steelers be in the mix for him in 2022? And how would that fit be? I'm not going to read the rest of this. 
What's your take on Deshaun Watson to Steelers? They're projecting the most cap space to it. Okay, so the, the Steelers are about to bottom out. I, I don't really like feel like speculating about what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson in this situation, but I will say I don't think that's going to – I just don't think it's going to be the Steelers. It's not going to happen. So if you're the Steelers, I think your best bet is after after this season is to – I don't want to say blow it up, but going to have to look in the mirror pretty hard about what you want to do going forward because you got to re-sign a bunch of guys – at not cheap prices and you're not going to have a quarterback and you're probably not going to be drafting in a scenario where you can get one. So I think they will be a team that's in the market for whoever that quarterback is coming available. Quarterbacks come available every year. Maybe they're not the greatest ones. Maybe it's Jameis Winston, but I think they're going to be in the market for someone like that. That's going to be your destiny. That's uh, what I, what I love about the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, TJ Watt, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool obviously had success. Mike Tomlin, I think, is a, a fantastic coach in the oh, NFL, yeah. has to stay put there in Pittsburgh. What I think they have to do is, you know, they have to bite the bullet. Eventually, they have to say, okay, we're resetting. It's time to reset at the quarterback position. It's time to go one year with Mason Rudolph as a starter for 16 games or one year with a developmental quarterback as a starter for and, and, and pull off a two, three-win season to go get the next guy. And if that doesn't work, go get the next guy. Like, that's how, again, it depends on what your goals are. What, what are your goals? Are your goals to win a Super Bowl? Go try and make a play for Dalton or Fitzpatrick. Shoot the moon with some high-variance quarterback. Let's see what we can do. If that's your goal, fine. If your goal is to consistently be competitive, winning in, and in the hunt for Super Bowls, like they have been, you need a legit top five, top ten quarterback. I would say top six. You need a top six quarterback in the NFL. And you're not going to get that by playing the market in the offseason unless Peyton Manning comes available. you top six. You just need... Tw- top 12 and just to be well run then from there top 12 yeah and well run okay we'll see we'll see i mean that's what you, like, you need like there's a reason you can't just find top six quarterbacks it's like the other thing well you have to there's keep going till you get one right I, my take is you have to keep going till you get a top six quarterback till you get a top, at least top eight you need at least top eight quarterback if, if you want to battle all the things like injuries and all this other noise that happens every single season, defensive regression, all this stuff, you need something You need something as consistent and as stable as a top six, top eight quarterback. Possibly. I mean, like it helps, but you can, you can be fine without it. Yeah, fine without it is where the fucking Bengals have been since t- 2010. I mean, they haven't even had a top 20. Though. They haven't had a top 12. Dalton wasn't top, top 20 in you, his prime? You're also discounting the uh, well-run part that Mike – that's yeah. true. The well-run part is true. That's fair. Yeah. I agree with that. It's like, I mean, they went eight and eight with Mason Rudolph. Like when you're a good organization that continually reloads, you can be good. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe not win a Super Bowl. All right. So to shuffle, can you guys just use what Goodell announces on TV for the live draft show? I prefer your analysis, but it's confusing when you're analyzing a reported pick that doesn't end up happening. Thanks. We can add that in. We can factor that in. I don't know how that's going to go, but yeah, we'll no try. Also, an interview idea would be someone from QB1 Beyond the Lights. Notable guys from the three seasons are Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, and Spencer Rattler. Also, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young is slated for season four. I think this guy thinks we're a little bigger than we are with our clout, being able to get guests. 
I definitely think I would we love could to get, get Justin Fields. We could land Jake Fromm. We could land Jake Fromm. I, yeah, Fromm's I feel like that's pretty easy. We could definitely get Spencer Rattler at this point. Maybe. Maybe we're gonna make a play. So far, you're on. You're on. You're on watch. You're on notice. Soto Shuffle wants the crown. All right. This is from hashtag DJ Simmons. DJ's monster hose. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Patriots will probably be stuck in quarterback purgatory if they don't make a huge trade up for Fields or Lance in this draft. If they don't do the obvious best thing and want to take the best player available at 15, would you rather go for the immediate need at wide receiver, Shot Bateman would be my favorite, or plan for the future with a high tower replacement like Zayvon Collins since you can't get that skill set later? If you go to take wide receiver at 15, if the big three aren't there, I'd, I'd say it doesn't really make sense to stick at 15. Yeah. Zayvon Collins, 15 is just like a little too rich for me for an off-ball linebacker who's going to be like primarily a blitzer and not going to be like your do-it-all coverage player just a little high value wise for me i love one of the top two cornerbacks that are still there that's what i was that's where i'd probably go go jc horner patrick sertan right there let's do it i like that a lot uh second question from hashtag dj simmons hose or dj's monster hose i can't read that special teams have been high priority for the pats yeah they have that's why they've drafted special teamers in the first three rounds every year which players late in the draft have a lot of experience or exhibit traits that would make the future special teams studs He's just asking the wrong guy here. You don't know what makes a special team stud? That and maybe we need to get Nick Buller back on. Tell us what makes. Well, a he had team some stud. good when we had him on that podcast episode. He had some really good takes about special teams. It's more than just being like, obviously you have to fit a base layer of athletic ability, size, and all these things. But a lot of it is just like attention to detail and commitment to the craft. You know, if you prioritize it as your number one role and your yeah. number one goal, you can be a Nick Ballor, which you wouldn't call Nick Ballor an insane athlete by any means, but he Whoa, is. Okay. Nick Ballor had a four-second short shuttle. Did he really? Yes. Oh, wow. He had the fastest short shuttle by a linebacker at the Combine in the past 15 Oh, that's fire. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't mean to hate on Ballor like that. Was it at a pro day or Combine? It was at the Combine. Wow. Dude, what a stud. That's fucking, that's insane. Yeah. All right. That's why he's. We got to get him back on the pod, maybe. That'd be a fun summer one. Yeah. We need to crack beers with Ballor in the pod. Uh, I'm going to see him next weekend. There you go. All right, but, Wild Dog 37. But oh, so the also special teamers. That one, I'll just say that is a priority for teams in the late rounds. Teams value special teams ability. Two, uh, I, I don't because I'm trying to identify the guys that are going to be like good on the field football players. Sorry. Fair enough. This I is don't, from- I don't, we don't have kickers or punters in the guide either. Special teams don't generate clicks like high level offense or defense. It's a, clicks only. it's a clicks only type of place here wild dog 37 with tom brady seemingly defying all concepts of quarterback regression age when do the bucks start planning for the future at the position should they make a day two developmental selection in this draft for someone like trasker mills or should they continue to wait for future drafts where they could be in a position to draft a quarterback with a higher pedigree Schrager just had Mills at 32 overall. Yeah, Pete Schrager of GMFB dropped a mock draft today, and he had Davis Mills of Stanford going number 32 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am, though, of the opinion. All right, so this one's tough because Tom Brady, I think it's the type of guy who would, like, mentor your young quarterback at this point in his career, would understand what's up and, like, be a good influence and actually legitimately help a guy at that point. In, in the process but at the same time I wouldn't use a first second or third round pick on a quarterback in this year's draft class a pick that can and often does step in and provide impact right away in your football team because you're in a window. you don't get a Tom Brady every like you're not going to have Tom Brady for too much longer and you have a team that literally just won a Super Bowl so I would not this is not the time to be thinking about the future 
You know a team that should take Davis Mills at the back end of the first? Green Bay. Because you don't know how long Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Taking a quarterback at the back end of the first could he's be a He's already looking strategy. at other jobs. Trying yeah, to he's do looking at other Jeopardy jobs. Hosts. I think, you know, Green Bay would be smart to take a quarterback at the back end of the first round. I think they'll look into it at least. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, address it now. So I, that four years later when Rodgers is still your starter. And then you could add depth you to can special trade teams. That guy. Yeah, if you go look at day two and add depth to special teams, grab a fullback or a linebacker, tight end type of piece. I think that's honestly a move Green Bay could take. Did you see Jordan Love working out the other day, though? I did. He hit like that 10 yard out. Dude, I think he's going to have a really good preseason game. Week three, I could see it. All right. Uh, Dessler SW, Southwest maybe. Uh, I am Eagles. I am an Eagles fan. And I'm trying to get myself to believe in Jalen Hurts as it seems like Eagles are going to move forward with him as the starter for at least a 2021 season. I would agree with that. Moving yeah. down to 12, they're locked in. I was not impressed with his performance in his four starts. You're one of the only Eagles fans that would even fucking say that. All Eagles fans thought those four starts were Joe Montana. But here we are. With, remember when I tweeted out that I, I first tweeted or first did that mock draft where the Eagles were trading up to go get a quarterback. And I had Eagles fans wanting me dead, literally dead. This Eagles fan's a little bit more realistic, and I respect that. Uh, I was not as impressed with his performance in, in performances in his four starts last season as other Eagles fans were, especially his play in the second half of the games and his sporadic passing ability. I know you guys are not high on him either, but what could Nick Sirianni do to maximize Hurts as a passer in this offense? It's a good question. I like this. So where Hurts thrives, longer developing concepts, intermediate deep, play action, and then obviously utilizing him in the running game. He ran a four, five, nine coming out, 220 pounds. He is a basically a running back. Like that dude is built like a running back and add to your rushing offense. So that's what I would do with him. Like he's not going to be quick game, not necessarily RPOs. His underneath accuracy is his biggest weakness, but he can make plays down the football field. And if you give him max pro stuff, where he can find lanes. He's very good at, as a scrambler, finding rushing lanes. That's going to have to be a big part of his game. That's just flat out is if you're going to play winning football with him. So where would you rank him in the NFL? Where would you rank Jalen Hurts in the NFL as a runner among quarterbacks? Okay. Because obviously you have Lamar Jackson. Tier one's Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. Those guys are... Someone said, like, Lamar's still on another level. It's like, dude, Kyler Murray's pretty fucking... Like, he would have run in the four threes, that guy, if yeah. he would have had. He can... He's skip. got juice. So, that's tier one. Tier two, then, after that, would be... Jalen Hurts would be in that tier. With Newton, Allen? I wouldn't put necessarily Josh Allen tier two. I think he's close, I guess. Uh, Cam Newton was... Yeah, probably still is in that tier two. COVID-free. Vaccine covid with Cam Newton with the vaccine is probably tier two. Yeah. It's Cam Newton vaccinated. Is he vegan or not? It's hard to say. No, not vegan is definitely tier two. Okay. Um, and then tier three is probably like Josh Allen. You got high end tier three, Josh Deshaun Allen. Watson, tier three. Um, Russell Wilson, probably tier three. Yeah. I think those, are there any running quarterbacks in mission? No, I think, that, that can I think that that's, I think that's all. I think that's all. Taysom Hill. He's not a quarterback. <laughs> All right. No flea flicker. That's this guy's username. Mike, are you defying your Justin Jefferson lesson when you give Kellamond a ding for not taking as many chances as Kyle Trask? Doesn't Mond have more tools as a player, off schedule, scrambling, etc.? And didn't he make a similar leap in development? What the hell? He did not make a similar leap in development, by the way. I mean, Kyle Trask was a different player this year than he was the year prior. There's also other, it's like that's the lone knock that I'm knocking Kellamond for the accuracy. Anticipation over the middle field leaves a lot to be desired. I will say there is some of the 
not sure it's the Justin Jefferson lesson, but taking chances down the field is two-way street. It's more the Justin Herbert lesson. It's like, it's got to be the offense has to give you those chances more often. The more often, like, like Dak Prescott earlier in his career was not a guy who would take a ton of chances down the football field. And then you gave him receivers that win down the football field and all of a sudden he's taking more chances. Um, so there is some of that to it. But it's also like throwing guys open who are covered that you see Trask do better than Mond, in my opinion. All right, next one from Tim Bay, Ben Roth. Maybe too early, but how would you expect someone like Spencer Rattler or other top quarterback prospects in next year's draft class to fit into the 2021 class? Anyone near the level of Lawrence as a prospect? Dude, people love the 2022 quarterback Dude, They're class. excited, it's man. Like, it's like how everyone in college loves the backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. I remember at spring game my sophomore year. Freshman year? No, it was, it was actually during the season. One of the ushers is talking about this was Jimmy Clausen's quarterback in Notre One Dame. One of the ushers? What the hell is that? The ushers at Notre Dame are like this big whatever thing. Don't worry what about it. Like the guys who uh, like usher you to your seat in the stadium oh okay okay so but they also like the guys who are the ushers do a bunch of other stuff for the program and like do like security i don't know it's a weird thing but he's like you should see you know jimmy claus is great it's like whatever like jimmy claus in the midst of like a really good season he's like but you should see dane christ he's <laughs> like this guy's gonna be <laughs> in practice like he would be the star right now if jimmy wasn't such a high recruit dane christ came in and was one of the worst quarterbacks that's incredible i've seen in notre dame history but so, okay comment but, on the 2022 class okay not Dan no Chris, one's, please. No one's on Lawrence's level. It's just no one is. Like it's the assuredness, the level of play we saw from him as a freshman sophomore. No one's at that. I think Spencer Rattler will be on the Zach Wilson Justin Fields level as a prospect. He has that kind of tools. And man, his his ability to like make plays is pretty special. I see how, like right now, if he was in this class, he'd be below Trey Lance, in my opinion. But he can if he, without Daz Newsom, without Diami Brown, still puts up, yeah, next that's year, the thing. He can be, he can get, he can move his way up there. I can see Sam Howell being like absolutely bullied in this next year because he's not going to have that Daz Newsom, Diami Brown, Michael Carter, Javante Williams. Like he's going to lose the four best skill players on that team. Yeah, and unless UNC is reloading for the first time ever, I don't know if like Mac Brown. I just don't know if Sam Howell is going to be able to put up numbers enough to be even in the consideration for. You know, I don't know. It's that, uh, the problem is, one, it's like that offense is not good for quarterback evaluation. It's not. So many throwing, vertical leads. Yeah, like you're not doing NFL-y things. It's college offense. All right, this is from your mama's side piece. A common take I see slash here on social media and even ESPN is these Buckeye QBs don't pan out. As a Buckeye fan, I think it's stupid. And only USC is a school that has truly mediocre quarterback draft history. I love Get that. I love how he just completely, you know, that's dumb as a Buckeye fan. But USC, those quarterbacks fucking suck. Matt Liner. Matt Barkley. Sam Darnold. But I'm biased. <laughs> oh, he does admit to it. But I'm biased. It is dumb. Is it a dumb take or just going by the numbers? It's, uh, it's such a dumb take. The ex-quarterbacks don't pan out. And even, and, and I think there is some possible credence to like a uh, Lincoln Riley quarterbacks get pumped up and that was the Jeff Tedford quarterbacks get pumped up and it was like Kyle Bowler Joey Harrington but then Aaron Rodgers mm -hmm. it's like not all just because a guy may, may look better than because he's in a quarterback friendly system 
and Ohio State this past year, I mean, with the talent they had and with scheme, they were, it was a quarterback-friendly system. So you say it goes both ways. But, like, it, it does – that's what I would put more credence in is actually the play call, oh, which okay. is different. Like, that I would put more credence in than just one school and their ability to evaluate talent. And like, yeah, that system might help a quarterback out, but it's still no end-all, be-all by far, in my opinion. And I think the biggest reason for that is – like this is a traits driven league and it's yeah. a traits driven thing. Like it, if you get recruited to Ohio State, it doesn't make you more athletic, taller, faster, any of that. It's a traits driven position across the board. I think where you see more, the reason you see U's like DBU, LBU or whatever is because they're recruiting the best athletes at those positions every single year. It's not like, oh man, Ohio State developing talent like a motherfucker. It's like, no, you recruited five-star recruits at corner for like 10 years straight. Yeah. And now you have the best corners. Like, that's how it works. It's a trait. It, when it comes down to it, I think Ari Wasserman, big shout out to Ari Wasserman, a guy that when I first moved to Cincinnati, I was freelancing for the Cincinnati Enquirer and covering lacrosse. And he was a writer for the Plain Dealer in Cleveland, also covering lacrosse on a one-off thing, but he also covered recruiting for Ohio State. His take on Twitter, you should follow him. He, he's like, the, the stars are what drive, like recruiting stars and recruiting offers and these athletes that come out of high school, that's what drives the talent level in college. And that's what's going to obviously drive the talent level in the NFL. Like these guys that come out as legitimate athletes at 16, 17 years old are the ones that are going to be the most, not all, not every time. It's not foolproof. Yeah. But from a, from a percentile standpoint, the guys that are 80th, 85th, 90th percentile athletes, those guys going in the NFL, those guys going in college are going to be the better players. This is a traits-driven league. This is a traits-driven sport. Yeah, and also Justin Fields, one, he played at Georgia, too. Two, he was the third highest ranked recruit in 247 sports history at the quarterback position. Eighth overall, 247 sports history. Like, this wasn't. Yeah, in the your, history. This wasn't your Dwayne Haskins, oh, maybe he's getting pumped up. Like, that guy was. ESPN had him ahead dude. of Trevor Lawrence as a recruit. That guy was a dude for his entire high school, college career. Yeah. He's different. Different. All right, sincere Allah, with the hiring. This is that's his name. With the hirings of Keith Williams and T. Martin, do you feel more comfortable in the Ravens drafting and developing a receiver? I know everyone wants the Ravens to draft a big-bodied receiver who can go with go up and moss someone. Do you think they should adapt the 49er idea and draft guys who can get yak and separate? So, Keith Williams, a former wide receiver coach, but also like a personal wide receiver coach, has worked with Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Sammy Watkins. Two of those, one of those is not like the other. Um, yeah, I, I do think so. And also T. Martin has a history, has a pretty good track record himself, was obviously quarterback Tennessee to a national championship after Peyton Manning left. But I do think that they should, I don't want to say 49ers method, but separation should be key. Like just don't just draft a big body because you have Lamar Jackson. Draft a guy who's going to get open. Now, I, I can see crossing off the smaller guys. That, you know, like Elijah Moore, probably not going to be a great fit when you already got Hollywood Brown. But don't just draft a big body to get a big body. All righty. Moving on from Sincere Allah to year 174. In a perfect world, I'd like to see Barmore or be more. Or no. Baltimore, drop back in the draft and acquire more capital and see them snag Terrace Marshall and Ronnie Perkins, edge defender, Oklahoma. What would be the perfect wide receiver edge combo for them for their first two picks? Hello? Yes. I said he's a smart man. I think 
I would love the Marshall Perkins duo. The one I would change. Love Marshall. That fits. I've been saying that forever. The one I would probably change is like maybe a little different. Carlos Basham the second, I feel like, would be their type of edge. That'd be a nice duo. If he falls. Terrace Marshall to Baltimore is a fit I really like. I had that in the mock draft I did recently. And then getting an edge like Basham or Perkins in round two would be sick. And Baltimore, man, they develop talk about a team that develops edge talent. Oh, yeah. They do a good job there. All right. This is from Yo, it's Alibu. Should the Cowboys draft a tackle in the first round and get a competent corner in the second? I was just talking about this today. How far is the drop between Farley Sertan and Campbell and Gowan? I think you have to go corner big. first. I, I, I you big. look at round two for a legit outside corner. You're looking at Ifatu Melifonwu, uh, Tyson Campbell of Georgia, Eric Stokes of Georgia, Tate Gowan of UCF. That drop off from between those guys and Sertan or Horn is massive. Yep. Whereas the drop off for tackle, I don't think is as massive. I mean, you can get starting caliber tackles at the top, you know, top of day two. You can get a we'll see, yeah. We'll see how the tag class shakes out. Because, like I said, everyone needs tackles. And it's a very good tackle class. That doesn't necessarily mean they get pushed down. It might just mean we see eight tackles go in the first round. So maybe not necessarily, but I do think the the gap between cornerback four and cornerback seven is so much bigger than tackle two and tackle eight even. So. All righty. Jumping now to chronological order. That's this guy's name. Broncos question, now that the Broncos signed Kyle Fuller to a one-year contract and also Ronald Darby, would still be smart to draft Farley or Sertan at nine or Fields or Pitts if they're available? By the way, the graphic for the show needs to be changed because Mike's hair cut his hair and Austin has a stash. It's fair tape. We're working it on does. It. We're working on that. I look. God, that's stupid hair. God did I love that hair? Gosh. And a lot of other people did too. Don't hate on the haircut. That's that was like man. your persona. Yeah, anyway. that's the thing is... Ugh. All right. Either way, right. I do right. think that if Kyle Pitts or, or if Justin Fields or Pitts falls to nine, they're the obvious choices for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I, I don't think th- they're firmly out of the cornerback market, too. Really? Out? Out, yeah. Oh, 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 oh because they're not going to take one. They're okay. not going to take one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, the, I thought you meant Sertan are going to go earlier. No. So, out of it, and then I think they are, they are the primed team to trade to four. If you're Atlanta, that's where you would want to move back to. You don't want to move back too far to nine would be you'd still get dude you get one nice. of the top four pass catchers easily if yeah. you're after one of those guys yeah. like Kyle Pitts Chase Devontae Smith although they might want to move back because they need defense and value at defense take Parsons around. at nine or whoever you think is best there yeah I mean there's opportunity I, I because of how many quarterbacks are going to go high you drop down to nine it's going to be okay you know you're going to you're going to get a very talented player probably the best player at any position you want you know one of the positions you want all right um this is from PL8837. With the Patriots' free agent moves, do you think it's inevitable that they trade up for a quarterback? Also, would who would be your choice to sit behind Cam and learn for a season? I mean, Justin Fields. That's the choice. If the, like, the, the drop is real, that's the choice. And I do think that's their plan. I don't think you signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal if you didn't plan on, if you wanted him to be the guy mm-hmm. going forward. Not only just a one-year deal, but also paying him backup money. Like his yeah. base contract's like five mil. And there's obviously a lot of incentives. I think the incentives are, because they, they baked in a ton of incentives for snaps played, making the postseason, winning the Super Bowl, whatever. Up to 14 million, I think is what the figure was. But they did that for if they can't get a trade up. Like if on draft day, they aren't able to get up to four or say the quarterback they want doesn't fall to the spot they can get up to, then they have Cam Newton and they're going to pay him a ton of more money than they would because he's going to play and start for them this year. However, if they can get up and get a Lance or a Fields and they feel comfortable starting him at any point this season, that's where they're going to go. Yes. All right. Jumping to 
Ubangalu. If there were to be, if these were to be the Steelers draft picks this year, how would you rate them on an FA scale? I've never even heard it pronounced. FA scale? I guess a normal grading scale. Just gradings. Okay. Yeah. At 24, they take Jalen Phillips, Edge Miami. 55, Walker Little, off to tackle Stanford. Love the start. 87, Kenny, Kenny Gainwell, running back Memphis. Not eh, as hot. Not as hot. 128, Paris Ford, buddy. I got, I got, I got, I got some numbers for you. That's a homer pick. That's a homer. He probably pick. goes to pit. He said he sees four eight. He says yes, sir. <laughs> it's called steal. Uh, then he's got Trey Smith, guard Tennessee. Anywhere in the hundreds for Trey Smith is a steal, in my opinion. KJ Stefferson, wide receiver, Jackson State at two fourteen. That's going to be everyone's guy who listens to this episode. No, no, no this podcast. Everyone's going to be like at the back end of the you know sixth seventh round. I might take KJ Stefferson. <laughs> I love it. All right, and then at two forty four, a guard or center. I don't know any of this late. That's fair. Love that. Love that take as well. I think the first two picks are awesome. Jalen Phillips is one of my guys walker little is another really really talented player that if you can get him at 55 yeah. oh my god oh, let's yeah. go I st- i'll give it a b because you, you kind of 87 128 gainwell ford gainwell meh. ford or meh very meh in my meh. opinion but you go back and you look at drafts it's the one in the two that's how you get judged in the draft it is not that that's where your the vast majority of stars come from that's what you gotta hit we like over glamorize. Oh, they got a fourth rounder that we kind of like. It's like no, you got to hit on one and two. Mm-hmm. And so one and two in this one, pretty damn good. I, I, I'd like I'd extend it out to top one hundred players, top one hundred picks. I mean, third, top one hundred picks. You got to hit on your top one hundred picks. I, I I really do think that if you're picking a player in the top one hundred, you have to you have to try and hit on yes, those guys. He has to be on the field. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go to Mark Full. Great pod, Chiefs question. Love the pod. My girlfriend is Notre Dame class of 2013. What's her number? Let's have her on. To, sorry, I didn't. Let's have her on to share some college Mike stories. Some respect. That's on there. me. That's on me, Mark Full. Chiefs question. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills that no one is talking about. Wide receiver is biggest need. Clearly, second best, second behind tackle for me. Let's say those are your positions for the first and second rounders. Give me your dream draft for wide receiver in the first and tackle in the second and vice versa. I would say tackle is their biggest need. However, I do agree that wide receiver is not talked about enough for the Kansas City Chiefs. I've seen Demarcus Robinson. They're good there. I don't know if that's true. All right. Go give me give me the wide receiver one and then tackle in the two and then flip it for me. Uh, first, we need to hear who this guy's girlfriend is. Yeah. Notre Dame 13. I definitely don't know her. There's zero chance. I, I mean, Notre Dame's a big school. It's not that big. Also, you weren't allowed people. to like talk to women at Notre Dame, yeah. something like that? I wasn't allowed to, but I also didn't by choice. <laughs> uh, wide receiver one was Rashad Bateman. Would be the ideal. Mm-hmm. And then if you go OT2, I'd go Jackson Carmen. Nice. Cincinnati's faithful. And then if I'm flipping it, OT1, first round, Walker Little. Or boy. Wide receiver in the second round, probably like Amon Ross St. Brown. Which I don't love. I don't love it either. I just don't think the second round is going to be where you... It's not going to be that sweet this year. Can't get it. In terms of outside receiver talent, it's going to be very difficult to go get a guy in round two, round three. Yeah. I think you're looking at slot gadget Slots. types. Yeah, that's that's the problem. There There's premium talent in this class. You know who I like for wide receiver too? talent in this class, and then there's just like, meh. If he falls, maybe it's a pipe dream. Deami Brown for the Chiefs. I think we said that about every team in the second round. <laughs> Kill me. Just kill me. It's like I'm Will sad, Fuller. Yeah. It, it, it was like Will Fuller in free agency. It's like, oh man, if they get out of Will Fuller. Yeah, Will Fuller, if you add him to the Buccaneers. <laughs> <laughs> All play. right, this is from Jay Chizzy. Why do you guys give Rondell Moore's 2019 good tape heavier consideration than his 2020? Not as good tape. He was hurt. But don't do the same thing for Marvin Wilson. I feel like I'm missing something. He was hurt. Rondell Moore. Then Marvin Wilson, the problem was he like 
only had a few good games in 2019. Like he was, he got hurt, played a limited amount of snaps, and didn't play great down the stretch. And he came back, and should be. It's like a, it's a position that's not nearly as dependent on like the quarterback situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, you're you're you're. you're going it's very binary wins and losses. Yeah, and that's why PFFs grades, you know, specifically in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, are some of the most stable grades. College comparing college to college years and also comparing NFL to NFL years. We're still working. I think pass rush grades specifically for edge defenders are very translatable from college to the NFL, but I still think level of competition and those types of things are limiting that. But if you control for competition, those things have stability, man, going from obviously college to the NFL Mm -hmm. because it's, and I think the reason for that is I think it get, I'm looking at the camera now. I think it can get a little confusing for a lot of people when you talk about stability and statistical stability because it's like okay what does that even mean what makes a grade or something sticky you're looking for situations where there is obvious wins and losses obvious is obvious yes and no's what what is stable in base what, why baseball statistics are very stable is because the situations are very binary it's it's there you know there's not only so many options that can happen and that's when you have these limited amount of options, it's going to create more stability. And I think that's why pass rush grades and those types of things, when you start to remove variables that they, cause ripple and it noise, it becomes more stable. You're, I think you're, you're, that person is in control of the outcome. Yes. Yes. Whereas that's other why situations you're not necessarily. PFF pass the grade from a clean pocket. It's like you're removing a variable. You're removing pressure, which adds noise and which adds yeah. instability to the situation. He's in a clean pocket. He's, he's, got, he's got time to throw. How does, it, how does he do? And now you're in a way more stable spot than you are with other things. All right. Senior, senior irrelevant. Is Rondo Moore a juiced up Darren Sproles? I love it. Simple question. Is he? The funny thing is, Darren Sproles is actually bigger than Rondo Moore. <laughs> Darren <laughs> Sproles is 187 pounds. Rondell only 179. My comp was an actual skilled Noel Devine. If you'll remember Noel Devine, the OG high school highlight reel legend. I remember what, someone showing me his high school tape. I want to say sophomore year of high school. would be like, dude, you got to watch this. And I'm just like blown away. Because he's five, five, no, one's like five, six, and just like no one tackled him. Just I don't know who that is. You don't know who Noel Devine is? No. Oh my fuck. You didn't live, my friend. He might, you might be too young. Yeah. Because you're, you're right. That was like early, early high school for 05, me. 05, 06, something like 05, that. 05, I was nine. Okay. You're too young. For the OG Noel Devine. Yeah, it Noel was him Devine. and uh, Cody Paul. You remember the Cody Paul highlight tape, that little kid? No, I don't remember Cody Paul. Oh, I might it stitch that Sam McGuffey. Sam stitch McGuffey it in. Stitch it in. Stitch both Devine and Cody Paul into the YouTube. You know, people want to see this. It was Sam McGuffey catching balls and doing front backflips. I don't know who the fuck that guys. is. You don't, you don't remember Sam McGuffey? Oh, my God. Dude, when yeah. I was nine years old, I was... Okay. I don't know what I was doing. But Noel Devine came out of the combine. He was five foot seven and did 24 bench press reps around a four three four. I was a freak nature athletic. I wonder if he like powerless now because that's what you should be doing at that size. But Rondale, I, I could see a juiced up Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles a little more like shaky. Rondale more, more, more shaky than Rondale. Dude, Spro- Sproles is a monster. He like, was a monster. Was a Rondale's a monster. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the weapon you're dealing with, though. Is like he might have to be a runner slash pass catcher, that sort of thing. All right, this is from JBja207. You just deleted a question. No, that was the Rondale question. No, it wasn't. Oh, no, I'm an idiot. Sorry, we're back. This is from JimJim521. Which teams have most 
the most glaring hole that they need to fill in the draft? I know teams shouldn't draft for need, but which teams have positioned themselves poorly enough that they have to address position or be screwed? Also, how do measurables like height and weight move the needle for NFL teams? Is Rondell Moore no longer a first-round pick? Is Devontae Smith now firmly below Chase and Waddle for some teams, etc.? Okay, so first question. I advocate draft for need if you're like in a window, if you're legitimately going to compete. And those teams that, so like, I could say like, oh, the Jets have the most glaring hole quarterback. It's like, yeah, they do, but that's stupid for this conversation. The teams I would highlight, Chiefs at offensive tackle. It's so glaring if they don't address offensive tackle in this year's draft, they're just like, they're going to be boned. Seahawks at cornerback. And I know they signed a Kella Witherspoon. We got Trey Flowers, Kella Witherspoon. That has, you know, record-breaking potential. They, they could give up they the most. They broke records last year. Yeah. <laughs> that has, and with, and then they lost their best cornerback. Yeah. So that's bad. And then the Colts, I mean, they signed Sam Tevy, but like Sam Tevy left tackle is disaster. That's Carson Wentz. Nightmare. Needs needs a left tackle. So the Colts at left tackle. Those are the three teams I would highlight. I definitely think, so I wanted to add to the comment you made about if you're in a window, drafting for need, I can advocate for it. I do think the reason for that is if you're a team that isn't in a window, you don't have draft needs. You need help. Your team is bad. You need help everywhere. You don't have good positions anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why needs become less important for a team drafting in the top 10, top 15, because your entire roster is disgusting and you don't have legit blue chip players at multiple positions and all of that type of stuff. So I don't think when you get to the back end, though, and you feel like you are in a window or Tampa Bay last year, who locked into Tristan Wirfs very early in that draft, who felt like they were in a window when they signed Tom Brady, rightfully so. They lock into obviously adding offensive tackle in the first yeah. round. I think that when you're a team that says, okay, we know we can get there. We just need this one piece from this big game-changing piece. Let's do it. I do agree with you there. Whatever. Go ahead. Go do it. Um, and then as far as the heights and weights go, they, they move the needle for sure. They do. Uh, one of the biggest things, uh, guy I was talking to who's director of player personnel in the league, it's like one of the biggest things that our scouts have to do on the spring tour going to these pro days is get confirmed heights and weights on underclassmen getting actual numbers really to know who these guys are as underclassmen so that they can basically see who they want like who fits their molds and that sort of thing heights weights measurables that sort of thing so those are big when a guy but it's like you know Devonte smith skinny you know rondell Moore small knowing that he's five seven instead of five nine is that moving the needle for you if you liked him before i don't think that should um to me, it's more for the guys who, not, uh, like Rashad Bateman, list at 210, comes in 190. That's like, that's a different player. That's going to Same change. with two inches shorter. Yeah. Like, that's going to change your board and, and rightfully should. All right. Next question. This one's from JB Shaw, 1207. What do you think the move for the Giants in the draft? What is the move for the Giants to draft at 11? Obviously, wide receiver is no longer a huge need with Kenny Galladay signing. The Giants have a bottom offensive line for the last few years and just drafting Andrew Thomas last year is not enough. Do you think Slater could be the move at 11 or do you think they're better drafting a weapon and finding offensive line later in the draft? I would personally go Slater at 11 than Osai or Owe if Owe falls to 42. Thanks. Next question is also about the Giants. This one's from Manti Teo's girlfriend. The jokes that Mike thinks are played out. I'm committed to go to Notre Dame. So seeing an alumni with such a good, cool job is inspiring. Wow, you're inspiring, guys. I'd love to see that. This is Manti Taylor's girlfriend, too. He might not be real. I was going to say. <laughs> I'm a big Giants fan. Me? 
I'm a big Giants fan. With the recent signing of Dory Jackson, it seems like the Giants are building the defense the right way. Secondary first with big defensive linemen, meaning you don't have to stack the box. That being said, the Giants still have a lot of holes. At this point, if we go Rashawn Slater in round one, if available, what are some prospects that would fit the scheme in rounds two and three as well as some interior offensive linemen? Yeah, so you're unfortunately in that job-saving dead area where you don't want to be, where Dave Gettleman has to impact this year's roster to get this year's team as good as it can be. So you're probably not going to draft a wide receiver because you got the holes on the off the line. It's, it's more than likely going to be Slater if he's still on the board. Could even be like Darisaw if he's not on the board. I, I think they are going to have to address offensive line because of just how bad it was last year. And that's like the glaring need, so that's the one you address first. That's tough, not a man. great spot to be in. Yeah. But I think that's how it's going to go. And then I've been banging the table as the Osai is a great fit in the second round. I think Owe would be a good fit as well with his athleticism and what he could do. So, yes, at 42, that is where I would go. I think Ronnie Perkins possibly too. Maybe it might be – yeah, that's probably about where I'd take Ryan Perkins. I have to pause the mailbag to bring this take up that I just saw across my Twitter timeline and multiple people slacked to me. You weren't listening to my – I was listening, but then yeah. this, this a flood of DMs came through. Let's hear it. Jeff Schwartz just said – Hot start. I w- so he said, I want your food opinions that about get wife. people upset. It's not about his wife. Oh. Peanut butter is gross and fruit doesn't belong in pie. That is objectively one of the worst food takes I've ever seen. And a combo as well. Peanut butter yeah. is absolute fire. And yeah. if you're eating pie that doesn't have fruit in it, you're eating chocolate custard with bread around it. Like you're a piece of shit. I'm sorry. Like you, what, what kind of fruit, like pumpkin what? pie? Pumpkin pie is in the conversation. What, what is pump- there, pumpkin's a or fruit? Is pumpkin a fruit? I think pumpkin's a fruit. Comes out the ground. Doesn't matter. I think it's the seeds that matter. I don't know. I don't want to get in this conversation. I don't know. I don't know what a pumpkin is. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of other pies that he would be eating. Housing. Dude, custard, the only like chocolate like, pie. Chocolate pie. That's it. It's like, okay, I love chocolate pie. It's like, okay, you like chocolate with a little bit of crust on it. Fucking congratulations. Like that's sugar a disaster. Pie. Sugar pie's the thing. What the hell is a sugar pie? I've heard Look up sugar pie. I don't know what a sugar pie is. Either way, peanut butter is gross. It's also one that gets overlooked because it's like sugar peanut good. butter is absolute fire. What's your take on peanut butter? Yeah, peanut butter is great. I put, I, it's almost, it's too unhealthy. So I buy the PB Fit powder. Yeah. And I house that like an animal. Dude. But yeah, peanut butter, if you don't like peanut butter, you're kind of a piece one. of shit. Like I, you, honestly, I don't like, like, I like, he probably has like a peanut butter allergy, just doesn't even realize. Yeah, that's probably it. That's probably it. All right. Going to NFX. This guy's fucking name is ridiculous. NFXIZ. That's your dad's name. <laughs> now that the Jets have added Corey Davis and Keelan Cole, Keelan Cole being added in there is interesting. Would you still look to add a receiver in rounds one, two, three? Maybe yes. even two would love to have more assets at a valuable position, especially with Zach Wilson coming. Yes. And I said 23 is not too high. And I love the idea of like bringing in the, the wide the QB, receiver. QB, wide receiver. With QB. Don't do two tight ends in a QB like fucking the Colts did with Ryan Grigson, which was one of the worst drafts I've ever seen. And then he won GM of the year that year. Don't do that. But wide receiver, QB, yeah. Yeah. You know what? It brings up a funny roster-building moment for the Raiders when they drafted Jamarcus Russell. Then the following draft, top five pick, I think it was Darren McFadden. Oh, yeah. And then the following year, top 10 pick, DHB. You drafted quarterback. Get him his weapons. Yeah, you got him. His, but you drafted bad. I mean, like, I mean, Derek McFadden was good, but like, obviously, injury prone and that kind of stuff. But I like yeah. Derek. Derek McFadden in Arkansas was awesome. Yeah. That was that tape was fucking sick. He had the skinniest legs for a running back that I can remember, though. Devontae Smith style or what? 
I mean, yeah. It, I, how much did he weigh? How, also, you had to I, guess how much he weighed. How much do you think he weighed? 200? 210? See, 210. Look it up. Well, I will say this too, though. He had, he had like a wide receiver build, though. He was 220. What the fuck? Dude, he was a hoss. He just had such a cool, weird build, though, for being 220. What's your take on this? This might be hot. I'd rather my running back, if he had to get injured, I'd rather my running back tear his ACL than get turf toe. Turf toe, dude, can ruin you as a back because you just don't cut with the same level of confidence. He slipped so much. He was constantly battling turf toe. He was never 100%. Yeah. I, this is bad and anecdotal, but our high school running back for our football team was Damian Rosby. Shout out to the guy if he listens to the pod. And he was awesome. He ran like, he ran very fast. He ran for the track team. He had offers to do track, all this stuff. But he had turf toe and like he could play through it, but he was never the same guy. And like ACL, you're out for a year and you come back. And oftentimes, at least in modern science, modern medicine, you come back and you are at least close to, if not the same guy. Turf toe, I really do think that you never really come back. Turf toe is brutal, man. Never had it. Knock it Never had it. Don't get it. All right. This is from Manaboy96734. Does the approach of spending multiple picks on cornerback apply to other positions or is it limited to defensive line and corner? That's the first question. I mean, offensive line too. Yeah. I would love to fill up your offensive line, especially with To the brim. Picks. Fill yeah. it to the brim. So it applies to that. Does not apply to quarterbacks if you have a good quarterback already. Don't need a second one. You don't need that. You need as much as the Taysom Hill uh, model has gotten like a handful of mailbag questions. I would not. It would not uh, advocate for using multiple high picks on something like that. Second question from Manaboy: If the players that opted out to come into next year are more physically mature than the rest of the draftees, will there be a trend of players taking a year off to train? High school players are graduating early in December to go to college, and would the same idea apply to the next level? It did not turn out like that. No, it didn't. didn't. I, I don't think there was a discernible. Is someone getting attacked taxed? in here? I don't know. This is loud. The PFF offices have been under construction since I fucking got this job in April 2017 or May 2017. Okay, there's just in a constant state of construction. Chris Collins is just shelling out cheddar to these guys to like duct tape walls and stuff and pound random rocks. I don't know. It looks pretty sick. Though. No, it's sick. It's sick. But I still yeah. don't know what they're working on. Yeah. What is she even doing back there? Wedding crashers. All right. Uh, number three. Would the Jets go and build? build front first and ride out the QB situation until 2023. DJ Wunkalele, I love that. Drafting Sewell to be, in my opinion, a potential Zach Martin type at left guard next to Becton. This guy wants to move Sewell to guard and he wants to wait on quarterback till DJ Wungalele. This guy's playing the long game. That's too long a game. You're just, <laughs> the amount of times you're in, only two teams a year get to be in the top 32. Mm -hmm. One of them's going to be the Texans. Only one team a year gets to be, you're in, gets Detroit's going to be the, be the other picks. one. You know, you're just not going to, and, and like, think about even this year, you thought you were the worst team in the NFL for the master majority. You almost played your way out of it. Like they yeah. almost got out of that, you know, almost got out of the sweepstakes there for the number two overall pick. Dude, so. Here's a take. Refers it. I almost read. So I was thinking about the Detroit Lions and them drafting, you know, potentially top three, top four next year. Mm -hmm. Jared Goff is bad, and but he's, I think he's gotten underrated to the point at yeah. this like he has gotten bullied to the point where people i think people are underrating mm -hmm. the fact that he could probably go out there and win six games next year yeah, you know, okay. five or six games yeah. the detroit lions would be better off quote graphic here the detroit lions would be better off starting david blau for 16 games next year than they would be or 17 games than they would be for jared goff because i do think that goff's going to keep them competitive more competitive than people are letting yeah. on at least i mean that was the jaguars genius 
Yes. They sat down Gardner Minshew. Exactly. When he was obviously the... I mean, they won week one. The Jacksonville Jaguars won week one, and were competitive in week two. Yeah. Man, I'm interested to see where the Detroit Lions draft next year, because I think they're going to be that team we're talking about that, like, man, they got to kind of move up, but they can't because they're fucked. Whatever. All right. This is from... Now, the fourth question from Manaboy. Now in that Tubbo land... The fuck? Now that Tubbo land is back? Tubbo lard? Oh, Trent Brown? Brutal. No. That's Trent Brown. No. Yes. Yes, it is oh, Trent is Brown. It? Okay. Now that Tubbo Lard is back in New England, who I'm are a, some? I'm a jerk then. Who are some day three or UDFA's that can be projected replacement at right tackle for the Raiders in the future? Um, who are some? Can I refucking state that? Who are some day three or UDFA's that can be the potential replacement for the right tackle in the Raiders future? I think he's making a joke about the Raiders drafting poorly. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that joke, Jim. Okay, so who are they going to... I still think they're going to lock into Darisar Jenkins at 17. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they go draft again. All right, two more it. questions, Mike. Can we get two more questions in? Sure. All right, two more questions. This one's from GoHawks228. Who are some prospects you like that the Seahawks can take at 56 and later? I'm a Stanford fan too. Would rolling the dice on Walker Little or Paulson Adebo to address big holes at right tackle and outside corner make sense? I mean, Yes. They would. I think Adebo, that's one of the few scheme fits. Or, honestly, that's like the only scheme fit I really like for him in the NFL. He tests it really well as pro day, too. Walk Little, I think he's going higher than that. Mm-hmm. I'll just say, I do think so. If he gets to 56, though, you sprint the card in. Yeah, I really like the Jack Carmen fit for them. I've highlighted him a couple of times, but like building that power O-line, like big-ass offensive line, Damian Lewis, Gabe Jackson, they're all you're going 330 plus across the board there. Those guys are going to be people movers. You're going to run the ball. That's that's that. Uh, cornerbacks as well that I would say in that mold. I, I think I've answered this before, but like Benjamin St. Juice, the Minnesota guy. Um, and fucking one more name that's escaping my mind here. That let's say Benjamin St. Juice. There you go. The Minnesota guy. Fair enough. All right. Last question here before we close out the bonus mailbag. Remember, if you want your question answered, if you want your question answered on the bonus mailbag or normal mailbag or the 10 hour live show, leave us uh, Apple podcast review, five star review and drop your question in there. We are getting through these. We're through March 24th. All right. This is from Hespacito. Even with what can be considered an above average agency period, the Jets still have major jokes to fill. I think they meant holes or maybe they meant jokes. Major holes to fill at cornerback and interior offensive line. Assuming Wilson goes to the Jets at two, what are the moves at 23 and 34? Both are valuable picks. I think they could be one of the teams that make the play on Caleb Farley, even with the injury history. Yeah. Really, really good scheme fit. Really good. I think he'd be perfect for Robert Salah's defense. Interior offensive line, that's more 34 might be a little rich, like Landon Dickerson. I don't know if I'd want to go both uh, California and Landon Dickerson. Let me grab the two biggest injury-prone guys in the draft class. If not him, I would you know, that'd probably address that round three. Quinn Miners, one of my favorite centers in the draft class. Creed Humphrey, somewhere. So one of those two guys in the top third would be a nice fit. All righty. That's going to do it for the bonus mailbag. You love to see it. We're cruising, man. We're close. We're close. Next year, we do two episodes. Next year. Next week, we do two episodes. I think we'll be in a very good spot. All right. Till next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Mike Quinn, David Sofaro, two for one drafts.